In July of 1893, murder was a hot topic of conversation around Lebanon County. On the morning of July 6th, in a tiny North Dakota town of Kando, just south of the Canadian border, a family with local roots was horribly slaughtered. Fifteen years earlier, the Kreider family had left their home in Lebanon County for the frontier, taking with them a distant relative from Campbellstown to work as a hired hand on a North Dakota farm. This man, Albert Bomberger, killed Daniel Kreider and his wife, along with their five children, before being captured in Manitoba. On Tuesday, July 11th, the bodies of the Kreider family arrived in Elizabethtown, Lancaster County, by train, and the following day were laid to rest in one huge grave at Risser's Mennonite Meeting House Cemetery in Mountjoy Township. The funeral, which is believed to be the largest ever held in the county, drew between eight and 10,000 mourners, many of whom had been friends and acquaintances of the Criders during their time in Lebanon County. Because of the sensational nature of the Crider murders, not many people took notice of another murder which was discovered near Campbellstown, while Lebanon County buzzed with gossip about the horrific slayings on the prairie. On the afternoon of July 10th, just as the train carrying the corpses of the Criders was chugging into Pennsylvania, Coroner Reger of Lebanon County received a telegram requesting him to come to Palmyra to hold an inquest over the badly decomposed remains of a man who was found dead beneath a haystack on a farm. Farmhand Edward Bachman was loading a hay wagon on the farm of S.F. Engel on the road between Palmyra and Campbellstown when he lifted a bale from a pile and stared into the unseeing eyes of a corpse. The head of the dead man was covered with vermin. The farmhand's shouts soon attracted a large crowd. The coroner arrived in mid-afternoon, and his examination of the remains revealed two bullet holes in the left temple. The dead man was a large fellow of about 30 years of age, heavy in build and six feet in height, clad in brown trousers, white shirt, and a vest, though his shoes were missing. The coroner immediately concluded that the man had been murdered, and the body dragged about 100 feet into Mr. Engel's field. There was no proof of identification, and no clues to lead authorities to the murderer. With nothing more to go on than statements from locals, it was eventually believed that the victim was a German tramp known throughout the vicinity as New York Fatty. The victim's real name was unknown, though some said that it might have been Schaefer, and that the man might have had connections in Wilkesbury. Physician M. B. Fritz, upon examining the corpse in Palmyra at the direction of Coroner Reger, issued the following statement: "I, the undersigned, duly sworn by the coroner on the above date, do declare and say that the said corpse, unknown to any jury or community at large, has been murdered, to the best of my belief." I find on the left side of his head, over the temporal region, two fresh stabs, also two bullet holes in the same region, the effect of which was sufficient to cause his death. Otherwise, there were no scars or bruises on the body. The coroner, upon returning to Lebanon on a seven o'clock train, notified the county almshouse and instructed the body to be brought back for burial. 
At three o'clock in the morning, the body arrived and was interred at the almshouse Potter's Field with little fanfare. Detective George Hunter conducted an investigation, but no clues were found, and the murder at the Engel Farm quickly faded from memory. Nearly seven years later, on October 20th, 1900, a tiny, hot-tempered, middle-aged German tramp found himself confined to a steel cell in the basement of the Lebanon City Hall. He had been brought to Lebanon from the Berks County Jail, where he had been picked up on a vagrancy charge. This was nothing out of the ordinary for 50-year-old Leopold Rowe, who had been drifting from town to town for the past 10 years of his life. Rowe was no stranger to county jails and small-town lockups, and, under normal circumstances, he would have been out on the streets in a day or two after serving his routine vagabond sentence. But this time, things would be different. This time, Leopold Rowe admitted to being something more than a neighborhood nuisance or a petty thief. He admitted, on February 18th, that he was the one who had slain New York Fatty in a farmer's field in Lebanon County seven years earlier. Of course, there are many reasons why a habitual miscreant would cop to committing an offense which occurred in another jurisdiction. Sometimes the quality of food is better in one county jail than the other, and sometimes a prisoner has a pal locked up in another county whom he wishes to be reunited with. In the case of Leopold Rowe, however, it appeared that he had been brutally mistreated by the other inmates at the Berks County Jail, and it was reported that Rowe's stay in Reading had been so miserable that he had attempted suicide. From his cell in Lebanon, Rowe denied these accusations. No, the reason he had confessed to killing a fellow tramp was because he had been tormented day and night by the ghostly vision of his victim's face. When visited in jail by reporters, the self-styled murderer claimed that the image of his victim was constantly before his eyes, giving him no rest. It mattered not that Rowe's confession might send him to the gallows. He urgently needed the relief that only a confession could bring. I have trouble, Rowe moaned painfully, rubbing his temples. My head hurts me, he said before he told his tale to Detective Satizan and newspaper reporters. On the night of February 18, 1900, Rowe asked the night guard, Edward Koch, to come to his cell. Rowe told him that he, along with a fellow tramp known only as Yaki, had committed the foul deed on the road between Palmyra and Campbellstown in 1893. After Rowe pulled the trigger, the tramps had robbed the corpse of $50 before crossing the Susquehanna River and concealing themselves on a farm. Normally, one would have scoffed at the notion. Standing just four foot six and weighing a mere 128 pounds, Leopold Rowe looked more like a garden gnome than a cold-blooded killer. But what made the confession believable was that Rowe knew every minute detail of the murder. Not just the color and style of the clothing the victim had been wearing, or the nature of the fatal injuries, but other details which had never made it into print. Pennsylvania Oddities will return after this brief message. 
When I want to hear stories about the odd and bizarre, I listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast. But when I want to buy something that's odd and bizarre, I go to www.shopphantasmagoria.com. Phantasmagoria Antiques and Oddities is an online oddity store showcasing hand-selected items from some of the darker and stranger parts of history. Phantasmagoria buys and sells rare and unique items from the Victorian era up to the swinging 60s. From medical oddities and rare books to fine photography, artwork, and one-of-a-kind decor items, Phantasmagoria has got something for every taste, so long as it's a taste for the bizarre. Visit www.shopphantasmagoria.com and be sure to follow at Phantasmagoria Oddities on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest to stay on top of the new items as they arrive. International shipping is also available. Phantasmagoria is where I go to add to my own personal collection of oddities, and you should too. That's www.shopphantasmagoria.com. Warden Kinser and Berks County officials looked into the matter and concluded that Roe was probably telling the truth. He was transferred to Lebanon County by Berks County Sheriff Frank Brobst, and the case of the Engel Farm corpse was reopened by District Attorney McCurdy. Leopold Roe, however, didn't stick around long enough to wait for the conclusion of the investigation. Just hours later, after telling his story to the detective, the inmate wove a rope from the strips of his bedsheets and hanged himself. Perhaps because of the impropriety of burying Roe in the same potter's field as his purported victim, the almshouse steward, John Light, decided to ship Roe's body to the University of Pennsylvania Medical School in Philadelphia. After a photograph of Leopold Roe appeared in the Reading Times, former Reading Chief of Police Jacob Etzel recognized it as the likeness of a man who had been declared insane two years earlier before escaping from the Harrisburg State Hospital. While Berks County Detective Kirshner admitted the similarity in appearance, however, he denied that Roe and the escaped mental patient were the same man. The man who was committed to the asylum was named John Seifert, not Leopold Roe. It was Etzel and Kirshner, who was deputy sheriff at the time, who had conveyed the man to the asylum. To settle the debate, one journalist from the Times decided to investigate the matter, and concluded that the tramp who had hanged himself in Lebanon after confessing to the 1893 murder was indeed the same tramp who had escaped from the Harrisburg State Hospital in June of 1897. But what was his real name? On June 10, 1897, a man going by the name of John Seifert was arrested in Berks County by Chief of Police Albrecht at the request of farmers who accused him of being a general nuisance. While locked up at the city police station, Seifert exhibited signs of insanity and a petition was presented to the court for the appointment of a lunacy commission. Judge Ermintrout appointed attorney Fred Hartgen, Alderman E.S. Kirchman, and Dr. Charles Heyman to evaluate the tramp's mental condition. The report of the commission was filed on June 15th, finding Seifert to be of unsound mind and recommending that he be committed to the state lunatic asylum. According to the report, the prisoner showed signs of extreme violence, having torn the steam heating pipes from his cell and smashing his bench into splinters. On the morning of June 16th, 1897, 
Seifert was transported from Berks County to Harrisburg. He spoke only in German during the trip, and was so delusional that he believed that he was back in the old country on the road to his childhood home in Bomberg. Physicians at the asylum pronounce his case a mild one. As a result, John Seifert, or Leopold Rowe, was given minimal supervision, thereby giving him an opportunity to escape, which he did 23 months later on May 9, 1899. Whether Leopold Rowe was actually the man who had killed New York Fatty, or was merely an unfortunate sufferer of mental illness who happened to learn a story from a fellow tramp before confessing it innocently as his own deed, will most likely never be known. If you enjoyed this podcast, pick up a copy of my newest book, Pennsylvania Oddities, Volume 3, available now at www.sunburypress.com. Volume 3 features 30 remarkable but true stories from every corner of the Keystone State. And be sure to visit my blog, paoddities.blogspot.com, for over 600 bizarre tales of murder and mystery from the colonial era to the present day. The Pennsylvania Oddities podcast is written, produced, and narrated by Marlon Bressy. Theme music composed by Marlon Bressy. Sound effects courtesy of freesound.org. Listen to the Pennsylvania Oddities podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your favorite program. New episodes on a 1st and 15th of every month. Bye-bye.